Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. I managed to get Brandon Jornet, DJ Digital, who's also brand manager and all things at Hot 107.9. He's going to be talking with us today a little bit about how he got started in the the business of DJing and kind of how he got to where he is now and where he's going. Um, But first, uh, we definitely want to mention our sponsor. So the Music Academy of Acadiana sponsors our episodes. Uh, They are actually going to be sponsoring for the next 12 months. So we got pretty blessed with that. So while I have you um, today, the T Podcast, sponsored by the Music Academy of Acadiana, they are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, all that good stuff, even audio production, which kind of lines up with uh, the DJ kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college, and they even have competition have competed in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. It's founded by Tim Benson, who graduated from University of Louisiana at Lafayette as a music school graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School Award uh, in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And if you want to find out where you can get information from, they have a website. And if you are watching, you can see it on your screen. It's musicacademy.com. And we appreciate them very much. So, Brandon, mm-hmm. um, good to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I was telling you before we went live, my, my wife listens to The Breakfast Jam every single Friday. <laughs> today she listened. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she, yeah, yeah. T- today awesome. she listened, um, and she's probably listening right now to the podcast because awesome. she's super interested in hearing what you have to say, and she, 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 she considers you a celebrity. That's, that's, that's hilarious. So it's shout out to your wife. That's my mom and your wife, two people at least I know. <laughs> That are listening to the show and the breakfast jam and, and hot in general, and I gotta say thank you, man, for totally taking the blame for being late. But I definitely rolled in on two wheels, like <laughs> minutes before the podcast. But I mean, uh, I definitely wanted to be here, uh, you know, today because this is a pretty cool thing you guys have going on here, man. I appreciate it. Also, DJ lessons at the Music Academy would be amazing. I don't have time for it now, but maybe one day we Dude, should look into that. You should totally ch- uh, get with Tim Benson and if, uh, see if, if that's if, something. If I had a like a dollar for like, so you told me like your wife, you know. You know, thinks I'm a celebrity. Don't crush your dreams after today. Just let it keep thinking that. But then the other thing that I get a lot is like, hey, what's up? Love the show. By the way, would you be able to kind of point my kid in the right direction? Because everybody's kid apparently wants to DJ. So oh, I, think, wow. I think the production and whatnot that they're doing, it's awesome because I feel like they're a music. That tells me they're a music company that understands like where music's going. Every kid wants to, you know, do the electronic thing. Oh, yeah. So as long as they love music. That's where that's where it's at. Yeah, and uh, I even had an interview. I did a podcast with Tim Benson, and okay. um, they talked about how music can actually help you. Even in, let's say you're not involved in, or you don't want to have a career in music, sure. but in technology and in technology industry, it actually helps with critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. knowing music, which was so so cool to hear. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to get to know you a little bit. Um, uh, I, I moved here in 2010, okay. so. I, I have not had the pleasure of seeing you, um, you know, in the Graham Central Station. I think you've been yeah. in Graham before. So, so I've been, in, I've been in Graham. I never, like, I think I have DJed in Graham. Uh, Graham, you know, was a place I remember doing a lot of re- like remote broadcasts, like when the station first started. Graham was hot. I mean, they had. Uh, shout out to Robert OJ was his name. He was the he was like the GM, I believe, over there. But what was cool about Graham is they were like a national company, so they had like. The, I mean, any theme, like the corniest themes, like <laughs> I believe that like they had a sexy shower down contest oh and like gosh. people would get hyped. They gave away cars. They did all these really like interesting club promotions that I think about like in social media times of today would never fly because we were like, what? They're putting, they would build a shower in the middle of the dance floor and like, all right, whoever wants to get in and like 
shower in your clothes and here's 10 grand. Like it was insane. So Graham was, Graham was obviously like the mega club, like 10 clubs in one. So it was, yeah. all, it was never, never a dull moment in Graham Central Station. I mentioned Graham only because before I moved here, yeah. that was the first club that I had oh, experienced. Oh, no way, dude. Where, so where at? Where at Graham? Like what Graham city were you in? Um, I, I liked I liked a little bit of all of them. Oh, so. you went to Graham and Lafayette? Yes. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. So how was so that? that you, was, what room did you go in? So my favorite room was obviously the hip-hop EDM So room. I think that was the Chris Reed room because Chris Reed, interestingly enough, before he worked with us at Hot, because Chris started at Hot in 2010, and he was at the competition before. And so, like, it was always interesting because we were doing the broadcast, but he was DJing. So there are some very hilarious photos of Chris Reed and I in the mid-2000s. Both of our haircuts are questionable. Uh, his tan was way more, like, it was. his tan was lit. Like, you could, he, he must have lived at the beach oh my back gosh, then. Yeah. Or, or I, think, I think he had a tan. I think Tan Stations was one of the sponsors of his shows. Well, I actually have a photo. Oh, you found it? I have a photo. I, I don't know if it's the exact same one you're talking oh, about. Oh, no, it's, it's got to be the one. This is it oh, right yeah. here. Look at that tan. Am I kidding? Yeah. Look at that tan. Are you serious? So that is amazing. And That's a man with a tan, a tanning salon endorsement right there. You know? Dude. And you know what's crazy is that that computer in the background. <laughs> Look at that monitor. That monitor is huge. Like, he had to dial. That was AOL. He had 50 free hours and that's how he DJed that night. Oh, he had, he had he AOL points. He had, right. AOL, he had AOL hours and he, he got online and he DJed from there. So, yeah. So, so it kind of went on based off of this topic that we're talking about right now sure. is when did you first get started in the dj industry how long is this podcast <laughs> Uh, look, it's about 45, 45 minutes. minutes. I'll give you the abbreviated version. Uh, I, I graduated from Como High in 99. I, I grew up here. Uh, my mom's from Iberia. Dad's from Cecilia Arneville. Uh, we moved to pre-gentrified Youngsville is what I call it in 1990, <laughs> uh, where like Cajun Estates, my neighborhood, you had La Triomphe, which wasn't even really Youngsville, Cajun Estates. And maybe at, like maybe at, I, I was talking to Ken Ritter. I was like, what is that neighborhood called? I was like, just organized streets. There was only one other area in Youngsville that had like organized streets with homes and kind of the suburban field. Then you had Copperfield. Um, so I grew up there, graduated in 99. And literally that summer, I went to a club for the first time uh, at, to the keg. And then by the fall, I was DJing at the keg. So it started then. But how old were you? I was, I was 18. 18, yeah. 18, uh, 18, just turned 18 that April. And, uh, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. You, you know, I started hanging out with more DJs, uh, record shop called Tunes, owned by Super Dave. Um, you know, back in the day, it was the Promenade Mall that uh, across from, I guess, where Brothers, that shopping center mm -hmm. is. You know, I just spent a lot of my days there, was going to UL. And uh, it just quickly, man, like one thing led to another. It was all, music is something I always loved. Um, you know, I can remember where I really got started DJing was probably with my Iowa bookshelf stereo and my Discman. And I would literally go from my seven disc changer to like my aux in on a Sony Discman. And like it was abrupt switches of just kind of playing music at birthday parties and stuff. So I uh, was a big music fan. Uh, fortunately, I had a sister seven years older than me. So I was listening to a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to be listening to at probably age six or seven. That's a uh, lot of us. When she was a teenager. <laughs> and, and so fortunately for her, like, but like at that age, you're talking 88, 89. So, you know, I got the whole like explosion of hip hop, explosion of two live crew, explosion of Eve Image, she loved Prince. So I got it all. And again, I probably, she had boyfriends too. So I had that side of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it just carried over into high school, man. And uh, and then one day here I am playing that music for people. And then, uh, So it's been a 20 year career that still feels surreal sometimes. I feel like it's still in the early stages, but uh, been at it for a minute. So how old are you now? I'm 39. So 39. this is an interesting last year in my 30s. Uh, people often think I'm younger, but uh, I mean, I like it, I guess I'll, and then I'll shave once I really start to look old, but, uh, but it, you know, 39 and I, I thought honestly by this time, like, oh, I'll, I don't know why when I was 20, I figured 40 was the age where like, I guess I'll be done, but I feel like things are just getting started. So. You know, it's crazy. Um, whenever I was younger too, I thought 30 and 40 was like so old. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, I'm 34 now. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, yeah. I still you feel like feel you don't like, know anything. Yeah. yeah. I'm still going up. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to feel, I want to always have that feeling of going up. Sure. sure. Um, so kind of, kind of going off of some other things. Uh, I have tons of questions and I know we have limited time. And we're late. And we're, and we're late. <laughs> um, so 
you scanning through your Facebook, mm-hmm. you've met a ton of celebrities. Sure. It looks like sure, yeah. Um, and I have a few photos of them, but um, what, who, or what was the, I guess, most starstruck moment for you? What celebrity encounter was that that big moment for you? Man, you know, the the easy answer is Rob Perillo. Um, but, Robert, yeah, right. but but I mean, if you think about celebrity, and I feel like the bigger the celebrity, the you know, one thing that I you know, and I hate to, I don't think anyone really has this perception of me hanging with celebrities. Like, if you see a radio guy, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, hanging with a celebrity, we really don't hang with celebrities. Normally, we're ushered in line by a record label promoter at a concert where there's meet and greets going on and we just kind of get in line behind the biggest fans that paid the thousand dollar package. And for like two seconds, you know, they're like, hey, this is so-and-so from this station in this town. And they give us the, oh man, cool. Thanks for all the support. Ready for a picture? All right, see you later. And then that's (laughs) it. But other, but to be honest with you, um, it's not always like that. Um, It's hard to say. I mean, Justin Timberlake kind of comes to mind. Pharrell was really cool because that was almost a meeting he was actually meeting a local New Orleans producer uh, by the name of KLC uh, at a Heineken event in New Orleans. And, and uh, then um, his his band, uh, NERD, was actually playing. And so I'm just like, it's Pharrell, right? Yeah. So it's NERD, but it's Pharrell. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, and it was cool because I met Pharrell while he was meeting a person who, in theory, was way less of a celebrity than him. But he he knew that this guy was like a producer for basically the in-house guy for No Limit Records. And like... The respect that he had for this guy as not only a uh, a producer but he knew he was a drum major as well and you could hear in pharrell's music he was a band nerd too so to to see him fanning out over this guy while i'm in line waiting to fan out over him uh pharrell you know was cool because you know i'm obviously a big fan but i guess the short answer would be probably the lower tier celebrities that actually took the time that were genuine that that you know really wanted to hang out and uh, some people to this day that still I can reach out to, you know, on socials um, and in their and, or email them, and they're, and they're still responsive because they remember. Uh, the cool thing is we often meet these people at the beginning of their career. So if I'll share a photo with a celebrity, it's usually like eight <laughs> months later once they get their break, and we've got like this archive of terrible photos, like the one you just showed. Yeah. Where like you know, yeah, have I met Ti? Yes in 2005 and like I look the fashion is terrible I'm wearing like bracelets and you don't um, have to explain that you almost have to kind of know like who's worth meeting and because anyone can blow up Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know it's for me I guess it's always the it's the celebrities that maybe aren't as famous but the ones that take the time and you find out that they're genuine people like they're just who they are for the most part no that that sounds um like a good genuine um in response. I mean, I think if I was to meet a celebrity, I would like a good, genuine yeah. experience as well, and not just yeah. The, Quest the Love snap. Is, comes to mind too because we DJ together twice, and probably one of my favorite DJ memories was playing the Super Bowl party for the 49ers after they lost the Super Bowl. Oh man! So yeah, I think the party still has to happen. And if you ever <laughs> want to know how interesting that is, we could talk about it off the air. But I mean, it was like playing a losing party for a sadly lost Super Bowl where the lights went out and there's a lot of weird oh, things. Yeah. So like, but Questlove played with the Roots in one room and I was the resident at the venue. So I was kind of the the, 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 the play music until this celebrity DJ get on guy. Yeah. And I had a, we had a lot of free time together and I was already a big fan because Questlove is such a walking encyclopedia of music. And then one, we connected again at a Red Bull event later, and he remembered me from there because obviously the experience is pretty unique. Uh, so again, those encounters are always great. Those are the ones that really stick out. Uh, the weekend was funny because people often tell me I look like the weekend, but I'm like, eh, more like the weekday. Uh, but he, it was cool because he kind of recognized it too. And you know, again, fleeting moments, very quick. Yeah. Um, hung out with Timbaland on his bus, which is like a studio. Uh, Taylor Swift was interesting. Uh, she did Bayou Country Superfest. And I actually have uh, You got that one? I got a So photo. here's a cool story. Taylor, um, I didn't even go to the show, but a lot of people wanted to meet her. So I ended up going up. I had to DJ later that night. So I had enough time to drive to BR, uh, meet her uh, in this tent that they set up. 
Taylor is very, very hyper-focused on, on her brand and, and one of those genuine people. She comes out, she made food for everybody, she talked to everybody. Was uh, she made food? I don't know if she made it. Okay, okay. I, she may have, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, you know, her mom was there, uh, but the, the, the interesting part was this. So I, you know, I go, my wife, my uh, sister-in-law, and I believe um, maybe, maybe my midday girl at the time who's doing middays uh, came along. You know, I said, hey, I took off, they hung out. And I got a letter a few weeks later, handwritten note uh, from Taylor, probably from her mom, but you know, yeah. but it was very specific in the, hey, thank you so much for coming and mentioned my sister-in-law. I can't wait till she has the baby. My friend is pregnant because her friend at the time was pregnant too. So like, it was like that one moment, that one little nuance that connected it on a personal level. I said to myself, either she's that genuine and remembered or she's smart enough to know grab one tidbit and put it in this thank you note so that either way you got to give her props for that so that was memorable after the fact you know that's uh, very so so if you ever wonder why taylor's such a big brand there you go yeah i mean obviously she's worked at it and she's she's pays attention to the nuance and the stories are the stories in the industry of how she is and sometimes i think the uh the, the the criticism of artists like that when you're that brand protective or you want things your way, sometimes you're called names. Yeah. Sometimes you're called mean. Uh, but, you know, she's definitely on top of what she's doing. So uh, someone just sent me a photo of uh, myself and, and my old co-host meeting 50 Cent. Again, terrible <laughs> fashion. This is like all mid-2000s. So uh, it's honestly, man, I know this is so cornball, but like it's the it is the Rob Perillos, the other people that like you see as a celebrity because of who they are in your area. Uh, or your region. It was cool meeting Drew when he was here for, yeah. you know, and, and just kind of beyond seeing him and passing in New Orleans and stuff. And there's like that. Drew and you there. <laughs> yeah, who's he's been in the news lately. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Right? And, 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 you know, that part sucked because, you know, I had a decent conversation with him. And it's easy to look at a guy like Drew. When I met Drew, I realized, you know, you see these videos of Drew practicing by himself in the facility. You read the stories about how he eats Beefy Mac and he's so <laughs> regimented. What people need to understand is if you're going to, if to be as good as you are at anything like that and to be that regimen, you're kind of out of touch with reality. And that's not a knock on Drew. Drew is literally faith, family football. Yep. That's a real thing. Just based on the guy I was talking to, because he was looking at the business. He loved us. He was watching his kids and he, it was just laser focused the whole time. And I believe the uh, shout out to Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Holy, you know, the, the not Drew Brees lookalike guy. Drew found out about that through his wife because he doesn't scroll through. It's, you know, Brittany had to show him, oh, this yeah. is like, there's a guy who looks like you. By the way, it was on national TV. So he's oblivious to all that. So, you know, I, that's the, the whole recent thing. Like when people are like, he's so out of touch. I'm like, eh, yeah, he is. But he's literally out of touch because he's just focused he's, on football. Yeah, he's working. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, that was really cool because I got to see that part of his personality. Um, you know, he's just a serious dude I guess and that's the whole problem with social media is you don't get to know someone personally <laughs> yeah and you judge them based sure. off of what you see on their news feed and mm-hmm. whether you agree with the politics or not you, you yeah. know that person may have a completely different manner of describing what their beliefs are yeah I think I think you know a common theme that I see a lot of people talking about is like empathy goes a long way and like are people stupid for you know thinking one way or the other. Eh, I don't know if they're as stupid as maybe they're just genuinely ignorant. <clears throat> and that's not a knock. Like ignorance, I had a teacher who once said like, ignorance is you don't know, you don't know. And he would say it just like that. You don't know, you don't know. And like that stuck with me. And sometimes you got to give some people, you know, the benefit of the doubt because you got to think about, you know, maybe their upbringing, regardless of what color you are, how poor or rich you are, who your family name, you know, any of that stuff. Like you have to really consider someone's walk of life to understand like, why they don't know about Aunt Jemima, you right. know, or, or why they don't understand. Or today, uh, Juneteenth. Yep. There's a lot of people who are finding out what Juneteenth is, and it's, and it's cool. At least they're learning today. Uh, but we shouldn't knock them or call them stupid or liberal this. or Like, I feel like we, we're so quick to attack and, like, kind of lump people into this group, a negative group, you know, whether it's political or, you know, you live on this side of town. You hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think empathy and understanding goes a long way, man. And sometimes it's hard to do it. You mix it with, I, I mix empathy with humor a lot. Yeah, you I have want, to. And I wonder if people get that, if it comes across, uh, you know, social media, because I know it's also a lot of things to be taken out of context, depending on who's reading it. But, you know, I, I often just ask myself a lot when it comes to the things that I'll talk about or take a stand for is like, 
what hills are worth dying on? Is this hill worth dying on? Do I want to die on the Aunt Jemima Hill today? What part of the story do I want to die on? Do, do I want to report on this? Do I want to talk about this incident because it'll offend this person? So, you know, I think we do that a lot. And, and again, empathy, understanding, uh, it's, it just, it goes so far. It definitely does. Yeah, so. Well, um, I know we can talk about that. That we're not <laughs> forever, but I don't want yeah. to. It's we, like we talk in circles about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to go through some of the photos real quick here, and Dude, then I got a photo. few more. You like did work. Look, I look. I got a bunch of photos because I started scrolling. I was like, oh, these are you, good. You were like, you were making me nervous because like every now and again, like Facebook and all these like social apps hit you with the like this. I don't know who said this on this day feature would be cool. Yeah. And it reminds you like it reminds me of the time where I, I thought it'd be cool to connect my Twitter to my Facebook because. Facebook was once a place where you just bleh, you just said what you, you were doing. You just spit out stuff. Well, yeah. it was like all you really could do is check in. Or you can say like, so-and-so is, fill in the blank. It's like yep. eating nachos, watching friends. And I'm like, did I really post a status update? Like, oh, yeah. So let me just delete this before somebody finds this problematic thing that I said. Uh, so I'm interested to see what you've dug up. So, uh, so all right. So I'll go with the simple <laughs> stuff first. Um, this photo is a picture of you and Drake. Oh, yeah. And Drake's making some great hits right now. I mean, yeah. I love his music. Um, this is a local celebrity. Um, this is Moss, <laughs> Sharon Moss. Yeah, man. She's a, she's a trip. She's, she's you know, I've, what, I've, what I always love about Sharon, which, you know, some, I, by the way, I named my cat after Sharon <laughs> before I realized my cat was a boy. Obviously, Aww. when they're that young, you can't tell. Okay. But we left him. He's, he's still a Sharon. Uh, but Sharon I met through probably equal parts advertising she's one of our advertisers uh, but Sharon has become a friend over the years you know uh, Sharon Moss is someone who puts herself out there yep. as basically the face of a pretty big brand uh, I mean how many female car dealership owners very few okay very few. few yeah exactly and look man um, you know she we we've had some really good conversations because you know she's such a giving person and like to get to know to know to get to know Sharon is to under, you understand her a lot more and you know if you know the Moss's boss the pointing mm -hmm. dude her fashion just the way that she views things in life and like her philanthropy is is amazing so it depends on like how how you know Sharon Moss yeah but to getting to know her personally has been really really a really cool thing and like and she knows people have opinions one of the coolest things she ever said is you know I know you know she's got the coolest accent Oklahoma girl you know. <laughs> And she, she calls me Brandon. Uh, you know, if anyone ever says anything about me, again, when you put yourself out there, that happens. Her, her, one th a lesson that I took from her is like, if you know someone said something about you, you know, if you walk up to that person and, and say something nice about them, it shifts the conversation. So that's a, that's a Sharon Moss takeaway for me. Nice. Um, but I mean, to be in business, she's in a cutthroat business, dude. Like, it's very cutthroat. She's in a cutthroat business and she sells a product that isn't, a, you know, it's not a no-brainer. She sells, she's, she's sold imports and, lux and luxury imports. So, yeah. Um, and she has BMW and Mercedes, BMW correct? and Mercedes. Uh, yeah, I think right that's now. the biggest ones. And yeah, so, you know, but again, again, we work on a professional level a lot. I do a lot of voiceover work for her. Um, but also just community work and just ideas. And she's connected to a lot of events that I play because, like I said, she's, I've seldom, I've, it's seldom that I've seen her tell someone no. Yeah. She's almost too giving, to be <laughs> honest with you. Don't get any ideas or asking Sharon Moss for money because I said that. But no, she, she, she I, I would love to see, and I don't even think she knows, the list of things that she has actually sponsored, supported, uh, been a part of starting organizations uh you know i would love to see you know the legacy of that uh from her and from other people uh, bob giles i can go down the list of people uh that that have just been so giving to yep. the community so that's the share and i know I, I mean even though we're we're we do a lot of business um i just kind of treat her like just one of my homegirls you know no yeah i yeah. mean uh, i saw her passing through the airport one day i was getting a rental car yeah and I, I, at first, I, I, I thought I saw her, and I was like, wait, did I just imagine her? Nah, bro. No, and I if, looked, and I'm like... You, if you saw her, you saw like, her. Like, There's legit, her yeah. hair was yeah. to the point. Her, it, she man. had, her, like, a, a zebra print. She's, like, a, she's um, a brand. Yeah, she, she's a brand. She, she is a brand. The hair is a brand. The fashion is a brand. But it's also, I'll tell you this, it's unapologetically her. Yep. She's not playing up to a character that she created. I mean, that's, that's who she is. But, man, uh, you know, just probably one of the more fortunate... You know connections that I've had in this town on a, on a personal and a professional level, uh, and I think that picture is us celebrity bartending. 
Oh, nice. I'm terrible at bartending. I'm on, that, there's a reason why I'm on this side of the bar in, in some of those venues. So, Well, let's go through some of the other pictures real quick. So we got uh, Lil John. Yeah, so he's a friend. Um, Lil John, Lil John, I mean, went from artist to DJ. You know, he saw a lane where DJing all of a sudden became like a multi gazillion dollar industry. And he's like, I'm out here performing and producing. But Lil John started as a DJ. And, uh, and one of my close friends actually manages him directly. Uh, so we've had, you know, I brought him here for our, um, I believe that's when John was here for our 10th anniversary. So to have him come here and actually celebrate the station being on here for 10 years is cool. Uh, but he's one of those guys that, you know, he's not hard to hit up if you need something. Um, it's always weird to be at dinner with a guy like John and just hear him laughing. Because, uh, like, when he's not turned up or turned on, he's, I mean, he's still look up any interviews but when he gets excited he goes into like that mode and uh you know but he's man he's been so he's not constantly screaming no, yeah not at all <laughs> and i think you it's the last thing you want to ask him to do but yeah he's a father but man he's a, he's he is a hustler like he plays i can't imagine how many dates out of the year but just you know he's an entertainer he's a brand and uh and like i said thanks to my friend sujit um, at scam scam artist he's a, he's got a, an agency and John's one of his bigger bigger acts and it's again it's surreal because you know guys like John Manny Fresh these are these are guys that are DJs at heart and those are the conversations you have so uh, till to this day I think the last time I ever ever stopped a conversation in a club I was in Atlantic City and DJ Vice was playing before Turn Down for What came up. And I heard it in the cl like I literally stopped, <laughs> and it was literally a what was that moment? So shout out to John for like I don't really get taken aback by music that often because you hear so much of it, but that was probably the last time I actually stopped what I was doing to just go rush and find out like what is this song? No, his music has definitely been influential through a lot of it's artists. Turn up, he's so aggressive, yeah, and it's like yeah. So yeah, John, John, John's one of the one of one of the good guys, man. Awesome. Um, and just a couple more here. So this one is with you, um, Chris, and then probably the most popular radio personality in Lafayette, Bobby Novosad. Which, which picture is that with us and Bobby? Are we sitting? Are we eating somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're eating yeah. Somewhere. So, yeah. So, so the Bobby Novosad dynamic is I think in general people think that like, and some radio people think this way, is that like, oh my God, that's the competition. And honestly, man, when I started this years ago, that's... You know, that's what it was. And, and, and look, in terms of competition, Bobby, KSMB, probably our direct competitor. But yeah. dude, Bobby's been on the air forever. Yeah. And when I was little, I was 10 years old listening okay, to so, Bobby. So, so I'll say this on the record. Th there's no accident in that. Okay. So, you know, so the respect is there. Uh, in terms of competition, uh, I, that day, I think, and maybe it may have been another day, you know, we're all hanging out. Um, you know, one of our close mutual friends and probably a very close friend of Bobby's because this has been like Bobby's right hand guy and pretty much one of his best friends, uh, Taco, uh, had, had passed away. And, you know, we all got together and, you know, we were on each other's morning shows. And, you know, and I think it's like we were talking about empathy earlier. You have to recognize sometimes when things in life are bigger than you or yeah. your station or your competition. And, uh, and the real truth is, especially in local radio, don't make enemies, man, because chances are you'll probably end up working with or for those people uh, down the line. And I've seen some people make some really dumb choices, um, you know, just being negative. Because to me, it's like when I look at that, I don't look at it as personal. If someone's like at a, at a remote broadcast and they're intentionally like not talking to us or like sneering from afar, I'm thinking to myself, I would never want this person to represent my brand this way, you know, because that's not who we are. So like, you know, uh, Chris Logan, I think, is doing middays at KSNB. Chris got me into radio. Chris is one of my wow. best friends. He's like a he's family to me. Um, you know, other other people, you know, I, I think Dolby and, and Chill or at Q95.5 is DJs. Dolby's one of my mentors. You know, he's one of my close. Again, it's like family friends. So, the, you know, Bobby, Bobby and I don't hang out every day, but when we see each other, it's. It's, it's, it's a mutual thing. But, yeah. I, but I think we have this, it's this thing out there. To be honest with you, I think just as many people that maybe think we're like mortal enemies or like competitors, a lot of people think we all work in the same building. They, a lot of people think Chris Reed is Chris Logan. Oh my gosh. I, and I've only done morning shows with two Chris's. It's been Chris and Didge ever since, you know, anything. So, um, you know, we're, we're all, like I said, Chris Reed, Chris Reed came up under Bobby. You know, that's how Chris learned. So, I mean, I see Bobby and Chris every day, at least a little bit. And, uh, and Bobby DJs as well. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, Bobby's DJed and done radio forever. Um, and, you know, the way I look at it is like, you know, what 
if I got on this show and started, you know, trashing <laughs> this person, at the end of the day, we all work, by the way, um, for a, a medium that doesn't need to be torn down right now. No, definitely not. So I think we all, if, if radio is doing well and if people are, you know, believing in radio in general, everybody in radio does well. Like me tearing down why this doesn't work doesn't, in a way, you're almost kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. So yeah. that stuff is never funny. Bobby story. Bobby, he can confirm or deny this. But before I got into radio, I, I was hanging out at the record shop, and Bobby and Super Dave are, you know, super tight. They're buddies, and Bobby would come in, you know, for music and stuff. And and I remember Bobby again. He may may or may not remember. You know, I'm this 20 year old kid, 21 maybe at the time, probably more 20. <clears throat> and uh, you know, he'd have a list, and he'd be like, Hey, look. You know, this is my best Bobby. Hey, hey, look, I got these songs. Like, um, you know, put put a one or two or a three. You know, because I was just a club DJ. But you know what? It wasn't. It, it's the story isn't necessarily like, oh, I used to tell Bobby Novosad what songs are good. It was like, now that I think about it, that was a radio DJ and a and a club DJ getting feedback and local research. Yeah, he was surveying. He was getting. I mean, there was no dude. You didn't have Shazam. You didn't no. have all. You didn't have streaming numbers. He was literally kind of gauging, and and maybe it was respect. Like, hey, this guy plays in these clubs. Tell me what you think of these songs. And so, you know, that was my relationship with Bobby before even getting in the radio. And uh, and like I said, ever since, um, you know, anytime I see Bobby, you know, it's it's cool. Uh, and and but again, when people see photos like that, they're like, oh my God, yeah. like what are y'all doing? We're conspiring a takeover of the entire market. Like, yeah. yeah, look out, you know. I know, totally conspiring. Yeah, so. Um, but it's it's cool to see um, that sure. you guys have mutual respect and and I didn't I never looked at you guys as competition even though in, in an advertising I guess perspective yeah. and I guess DJing as well I sure. mean you are but you know I think in an, at the end of the day you have your own brand and people are going yeah. to hire you for what you represent absolutely I would like to think Bobby and I are on different ends of the spectrum uh, you know just I think generationally we are mm -hmm. so you know you know again I would be. I would be pretty rude to come on here and say that, you know, my taste in music is, is widely in, influenced by Bobby Novosad because, you know, you really had two genres of radio. You had pop radio and, and hip hop radio. And when you think about what was being played, that was influencing me. So I grew up listening to the mix shows from Dolby D on 95.5. I grew up listening to Club 945. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. back, I in the, you know yeah. back in the day, children in the 90s, we would go to people's homes and turn the radio on and just listen. Uh, but literally, when you're in high school, where are you going? You, just, yeah. you turn on the yeah. mix show or, and they'd be live from whatever club. Um, hell, the first time I started going out, I probably went to the keg because Grant Sitt and Johnny Cage were on the radio. Hey, we're out here at the club tonight. You, what you hear on the radio is in the club. And like that was, you know, that was the 90s. So I, you know, I think even the Breakfast Jam you know, the influence from the KSMBs and the, you know, the Makos and the Keg and the Plaza, you know, the music that makes up, you know, the Breakfast Jam is just an idea. Yep. It's just our taste in music grabbing from all these different worlds. But, you know, that Stevie B world, you know, New Iberia, you got you got to give it up to Bobby Novosad because Bobby Novosad played the hell out of Stevie B because that was hot here. And if you look at these pockets of the country where Stevie B's hot, Lafayette is one of the bigger markets. There's a reason why all those artists come here because like in the Southeast specifically here, radio was just like drilling these records into people. And we like to party. So like yeah, we do. all those party songs and even the, the, you know, Cash Money, No Limit, that music was regional. That, it, it didn't explode until after we had already played it a hundred times a week <laughs> on some of these stations. So again, Bobby Novosad, whether he was picking the songs or not, I, I would be again, rude if I said, that I didn't sit there and listen to the, the countdown every night with my tape on pause, ready to get, oh, wait, waiting, I for remember the, that. waiting for the DJ to shut up so I can get like the best, like, dude, I was a mixtape. That was the mixtape world right there. I mean, time. I literally made mixtapes. So, you know, uh, so again, it's like you, you, you have to honor and, and, and respect what came before you and understand how it influences kind of what you're doing and, you know, and why, and why you're doing what you're doing now, especially like in such a hyper-local place like Lafayette. No, definitely. It shows a lot about your character too, the way you, uh, you well, you got to get Bobby yeah. on here to see if he says the same thing, but hopefully he doesn't <laughs> see this first just to see. Look, Bobby's busy. So maybe he won't see this. <laughs> I, I've been yeah. wanting to get Bobby on, but I was like, you know what? Is he too busy? Uh, tell I, him, I, tell I, him I'll definitely compare schedules with him, you know, because uh, he, he, I hear he's, I hear he's still, he's good at basketball. Okay. He yeah, looks yeah. tall. I know mean, he's 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 definitely tall, but I think he, he's 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 a like I said, Bobby likes you know. When I think of Bobby. I think 
loves basketball, loves music, loves radio. Yeah. You know, loves his kids. I think his son's got a billboard up right now. Shout out to Gavin, who we all grew up listening to. You want to feel old? Gavin from the radio? Dude graduated. So, um, like I said, that, you know, when you look at people as that and not competition, yeah. they're human beings. Yeah, definitely. You know, so. Well, uh, so we're going to move yeah. on. These so, pictures are amazing, man. I, and I never know what the next photo is. So. so this is the last photo, and I'm saving it for <laughs> I'm saving it. But um, awesome. all right. So this photo, you're wearing a hat. Okay. And it says, make DJing great again. Yeah. Yeah. When was this photo? This and, photo, I mean, you should have the timestamp on it. I forget which one of my friends made it. Um I want to say it may be my friend DJ Spider, but I'm not 100% sure. So it was kind of a double entendre, obviously, make America great again. It was was probably 2016 or 2015. It might have been, yeah. Probably 2015 because you had this thing that like had a life of its own. So you had DJs basically ride the wave of that and make DJing great again. The messaging is that is that, you know, around that time... A lot of DJ controllers. I mean, look how easy it was for you to do this mm-hmm. podcast. And a lot of DJs kind of frown upon the ease of DJing. You know, guys like me. See, I, I was fortunate when I started. I still had the, a few years of carrying records and having to like. And, and I didn't have the digital. I I was probably the last DJ in Lafayette to transition over to DJing on a computer. Uh, Two thousand seven, like Serato. You like the vinyl. I didn't do I didn't do PC DJ. I did CDs. I think I almost want to say like Trashy didn't get off his CDs until like last year because it's what you know, it's what you're comfortable with. So yeah. he'd play on the actual, he'd get his songs, he'd, you know, one by one. He, that's how he rocked. So uh, I didn't, you know, when Serato really blew up around like 06, 07, I transitioned from vinyl and CDs, like carrying stuff. Um, so obviously like that generation frowned upon DJs who could literally buy a computer and buy a controller all in one. You don't even have to hook anything up or know how it works. You can hit a sync button and everything does it for you. It still sounds like trash if you don't know what you're doing, but like (laughs) a lot of guys frowned upon guys getting into DJing, but not the art form. They just kind of got into it just to play songs and they weren't weren't respecting the crap. Like, so, but you look at any industry and it's like that. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't even like, you know, I'm trying to think, like even filmmakers or people, photographers, Jesus. Oh, dude, man. you buy a DSLR and all of a sudden you're a photographer. No, and no offense to those photographers, but I feel like there's a market for it. But to me, it almost makes you, it makes you level your game up. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud, you know how many artists were pissed when SoundCloud allowed <laughs> people like me and you who had an idea to get our idea out to the world and then people like those ideas? I mean, ideas. Post Malone got famous off of SoundCloud. So there was a SoundCloud rapper, SoundCloud musician, SoundCloud people doing covers on YouTube, Bieber. That's how Bieber got discovered. Yep. So you look at any industry, especially within art, people are probably pissed that you're doing this podcast. Like radio people, like the people doing podcasts, like, look at this guy. He's just got one microphone. We have and I got a sponsor. Yeah, you got a sponsor. You got a sponsor. People are paying you money for this. Just knock it over. Right. That's why I came here today to rip this down. Rip it off. Uh, but, but no, man, I, I, you know, you, you can look at it as that, but I think it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek yeah. make DJing great again but what's crazy is all these people got interested and bought the controllers and then got into music and we were talking about this because of your sponsor this is why it's important to get into learning music because yeah maybe you buy the entry-level computer or you DJ on your <clears throat> phone doing the terrible scratching but then you want more out of it and I think if anything getting and making it easier to get into a craft because dude let me tell you DJing back in the day, if you didn't have money, you were screwed. Because if you weren't in the record shop paying $7.99 for domestics, <laughs> $10.99 for imports, and if you didn't get there first, Super Dave would get five of like the best song that was coming out that you had to have for the club. And if you weren't one of the five DJs that prepaid or were cool enough to get it, you weren't playing it. And if you couldn't afford it, you weren't playing it. If you couldn't afford the, the $2,000 CD player to go out and buy the thousands of dollars in speakers like you you just weren't doing weddings so now it's more affordable to get in this stuff which to me kind of you know you didn't have to be good to be a dj you just had to have at least have the money but now anyone can do it which makes you almost elevate all right now that everyone can do the the basics what am i going to do to set myself apart and i i learned that a lot over the last three months uh you know how do i set myself apart from people and um, it was amazing. I've been DJing for 20 years, but it took the last three months for people to be like, oh, you're not just back there, like, you know. Like, right. Oh, yeah, pushing like, a button. Play. Like, he's really doing that with his hands, mom. Come on and see it. But And then the records behind me, they're like, oh, my God, like, you actually have those songs? I'm like, yes. The 20 years of spending way too much money on, you know, irrelevant formats of music really paid off. But um, 
I think that make DJ and great again thing is you see that within DJ culture is like we re, you hear real DJing a lot. We just want the people that are coming into it to understand the art form and like how creative you can get. Like don't shun the technology and the sync. Well, now that you don't have to spend so much time lining it up, how are you going to do some clever trick or create something on the fly now that this struggle has been eliminated mm -hmm. and you're seeing guys get so creative man with like their live shows and uh you're and you're actually in a weird way you're seeing artistry within djing with people with live instruments and just understanding key and and just all these different things so i don't want to bore the people watching this getting too technical into djing but make make djing great again that was the message behind it in addition to obviously Trump yeah. making yeah. maga you know yeah <laughs> You know, <laughs> and and I, I get what you're saying because yeah. uh, I moved here for graphic design. I was I was a, yeah. I worked at a print shop, and um, it's easy for anyone to get into graphic design. You have you, everybody has a computer already, sure, and you can download a bootleg version of Adobe yeah. Photoshop, and then you think you're a graphic designer, sure. and that's kind of what I did in the beginning. But I realized really quick that I can't design a logo. Do you do all the graphics for? Uh, developing Lafayette? Uh, I did them all. Did you do this? So that logo, I, I would have done it. Oh, you didn't I, do I did it. the first one, yeah. the first two. Yeah. Uh, this one we did hire out to do it yeah. just because I didn't I didn't have the, the time to really focus on it. But And they did a great job. Yeah, I, I respect, you know, any uh, – I respect people, man. We've got some great just designers, artists, and just thinkers, honestly, here. I work uh, within Clandestine Collective, a, kind of a – we're almost just a group of people that, you know – or yeah, you know, we're prominent, I guess, in our fields. But uh, you know, I, it's a privilege every day to work with like photographer like Paul Q. He's a close friend. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching a friend like Sam Stokes literally teach himself videography, and now his company's taking off, and he's connecting with so many local people. Uh, and then Burton Durand, who I think is probably the, in my opinion, the greatest. Just not just guy that works Photoshop, but just his. Thought oh, process and Photoshop design. is a tool. Yeah, it yeah. Does, it's, it's not, not Photoshop. Art. Yeah, his uh, his just his mind, the way his mind works. I love his work. To, I love work. Yeah, so it's like I I have a huge respect for, and I feel guilty sometimes when I'm using Canva <laughs> to make like my like digital streaming posts. I'm like, God, I'm so what? bad at this. But you, you know, know what? Canva and uh, Adobe uh, Spark, they're very similar. Yeah, those are useful in sure. the very quick. And you can get semi-creative with it, yeah. but to the point, it's just there to get a message out. To Text look over at, graphic yeah, type thing. Branding, yeah, branding. Yeah. But what Bert does, that is yeah. levels beyond. You can't create the level yeah. of work that Bert does yeah. on, on Canva. I think it's, and I think it's vision, and I think, I think it goes beyond art. I mean, think about our local leaders. Think about people that are leading initiatives, guys like Gus yeah. um, you know, at Social Entertainment. It's like his vision. We've had live events in Lafayette forever, but you know, he had a vision of like, well, what if we do it this way? And like, what if we connect these people? You know, a lot of us just kind of play the role of conduit a lot. But, uh, you know, again, leadership, you know, people that are over, you know, districts, you know, downtown Lafayette, um, the parish proud that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've been you know, scholars behind. So, and, uh, you know, I learn every day I'm learning more and more about all these different industries and just these sectors of our area and our community and like how much just vision matters, man. Of like your vision, your understanding, kind of going back to that empathy, understanding everybody, just kind of when you, when you have all that, then you're really good at what you do when you can kind of listen more than you maybe talk sometimes. It's coming from a guy who talks for a living. No, that's good. That's good. Look, I'm doing my role in, in listening. Yeah, dude, um, you, your role is basically like, what's going on over there? I mean, right. think about it, like, right? I mean, did you ever think that literally driving by something and wondering what the hell is going on there would turn into no. a podcast where we I, talk about Taylor Swift photos that no. I didn't know were on my Facebook? <laughs> no, so, I mean, it's crazy how I got started. It, it's really just... Um, was that was, kind of accurate, though? Did you just Were you just a guy who wanted to know? Very accurate. Okay. Um, it was... And I, I'll tell this very short form, like the, the minute long I feel form. like we're over time. Are we over time? We're, we're, we're good. We're at 43 minutes, but I can stretch it a little longer. It's inflection. We're all right. So the, the quick and simple form of how it started mm -hmm. was we were sitting at the most ex, uh, expensive Italian restaurant, uh, Olive Garden. Chili's. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go with Chili's, man. I'm like, man, you got that two for 20? Like, <laughs> Dude, hey, I'm not knocking the two for 20. Yeah. Um, so Olive Garden, we were sitting on the side that's facing Cheddar's. And this is in 2012. R.I.P. Um, I know, I know. 
Uh, so we were watching the dirt work and being new to Lafayette, I, my family and I were all talking about it. My family's from, uh, you know, an hour North and they were like, what do you think that is? I'm like, I don't know. I bet you it's another car dealership because yeah. that's all there was down there. And yeah. ironically, there's more car dealerships today than there were even then. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. You, so, you weren't wrong. <laughs> and so whenever I saw the Cheddar's Cafe coming soon sign, I took a picture of it, posted it to Facebook mm-hmm. and I literally kept doing that on a Facebook page yeah. over and over, liking my own posts. And <laughs> like my status, if you like my status. That was a crazy time on the internet, though, man. And, and what's wild is, you know, we're talking about vision. I remember telling my boss, we had a new company bought us in 2010, Town Square Media. Yep. They were hyper focused on digital. And obviously, so was I. Duh. Yeah, so right. it was like I, when this company, when they, when they came in, you know, a great guy. Uh, he's been a great mentor and a great friend. Bill Wilson was kind of, you know, he was coming from AOL. He was behind a lot of the AOL music stuff. So, again, that vision, he saw where radio not only where it was, but where it was and where it could go, you know, so digital was a, a huge focus. And we were like, how do we create communities within our community? And one of the things that you were doing, I remember telling my boss, I'm like, man, there's this guy who's got this Facebook page. We should approach him and buy it, buy it out, but like keep him on. And, and it would it would give us better leads because like, you you know, you would we had a, a platform. You were finding out what was coming, but we had the platform to get the word out about it. And, you know, at the time, I don't think it was just so hard. He's like, wait, so all he's doing is saying what's coming. He's like, that's, you know, and he didn't see the, and it's not a bad thing that he didn't see the value in it. And I was like, man, and I think about that all the time to see where you posting a photo of Cheddar's has now turned into like people literally, man, like you're the gospel when it comes to dirt work in Lafayette, like what's coming. It's gonna, is it is it is it PF Chang's? Oh, uh, it's, it's PF Chang's. Oh my God, that yeah. story. We need, to I, let, we need to let that go. PM Chang's is like Wendy Peppercorn. Like it's not gonna happen. Like it's just not gonna happen. And then it will happen, and I'll be wrong. I know it's kind of like Whole Foods. I heard that Whole Foods was a rumor for the longest time before I moved here, and then all of a sudden now we yeah. got one. Yeah, so. we 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 uh, it's 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 that's one of the most fascinating things is to see like what people want here, and like you know we actually have a platform where people tell us what they want. And it's, you know, it's surprising that P.F. Chang's hasn't at least like, like P.F. Chang's Express. <laughs> like, oh, give us a, like, like park next to Cajun Snow and just like feed off of that line or something. Like, or open up by Chili's, you know, I'm not Chili's, uh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I know. another oh, option or something. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's, it's, it's always a funny story, but I, it's crazy to hear your story of how it started over unlimited salad and breadsticks. At Definitely so, Italian man. Dude, I, I look. Well, well, I'm pretty sure we'll talk after this is over. But I have yeah. a few more questions, and then we'll yeah, wrap yeah, this man. up. Your show. Um, so, at what point did you realize this was going to be your full time career? Was it at age 18? Uh, DJing in general. So DJing in general. A quick, just a quick, a few quick milestones. Um, I, you know, went to went to UL at uh, 2000. Um, you know, it was the fir- I want to say we were the first class that was UL and not USL. So we got that was fun. Um, <laughs> ULL. It was still ULL when I went. And uh, I went to school, MassCom, radio and TV broadcast. I was heavy into um, production. I love creative. Um, I was in speech and drama throughout high school in addition to you know playing football. But uh, it was something that it was just I was always like I always loved the creative side of things. Plus, I was into music and I was into the production aspect. So we had a local show in AOC called Dead Air, which there oh, wow. are, I'm surprised you didn't find that. Those are the funny <laughs> things for you to find. If you dig deep enough, you may see like a I'm video from that. Uh, but again, shout out to Ed Bowie. Um, Ed, you know, we gave Ed a headache, uh, but I think it was in a good way. I think Ed loved the fact that we were so young and cared so much about, you know, this, this the editing. And, and, and I branched off from that into music production while I was DJing. So I was like the DJ on the show. Uh, but also hosting the show. In about two and a half semesters into school, I, I had opportunities to start traveling from producing music, and I decided I was like, "All right, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna drop out because I'm 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 going. I'm betting on myself." My mom, when I told my mom I dropped out of college, and it wasn't bad. When I told my mom, I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this." She literally thought I was quitting school to be a wedding DJ because, oh, like, my mom thought oh, DJ, yeah. the guy at a yeah. wedding. So, the the wedding, yeah. thank you for believing in me, mom. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it, you know, so at that point, so that was square one. You know, definitely bet on myself uh, around 2000, going into 2001, like that fall semester, um, and never looked back. Got into radio. Was pressured to get into radio. Dave Steele, who 
was the guy that I DJed with my first gig at the keg. I'd play part of the night. He played part of the night. And that, that was my first gig that, you know, that year, uh, Chris Logan was there. They were starting a station that was kind of pop, kind of hip hop. It was a new concept. It was fun. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, radio. I didn't want to be a radio DJ because in my mind, you know who the radio DJ was? The guy who asked me to put the one, the two, and the three yep. next to the song. Yep. No offense to Bobby, but like <laughs> I thought I was so much cooler in my like travels and writing my little techno music. And, you know, again, I'm a, tw- I'm, I'm a 22-year-old kid who thinks he's on top of the world with his Honda Prelude, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I, ended, I was doing a lot of club commercials, so I ended up submitting for the gig. Didn't get it because I had no radio experience, but they let me do weekends from 12 to 6. So, like, I got in a radio kind of part-time while I was still DJing. You know, time goes on. And it just, it was something, I think radio kept me in a DJing, DJing kept me in a radio. Yeah. And then uh, as time went on, jumped into, jumped into full-time in radio, started doing the morning show. And I, it never... Radio never hindered DJing. It always complemented one another um, in, in basically every way. Uh, and then uh, after Katrina, I was fortunate enough to really connect with New Orleans uh, with the rebirth of Metro, and I was a resident for a few years there. And that really opened me up to a lot of bigger companies, corporate stuff, because so much stuff would come to New Orleans, you know? So I really learned the business of DJing, met a lot of DJs from beyond just the producers I knew, started meeting guys from all over the country. I was meeting, and it was tied in with radio. I really got heavy into industry stuff. A lot of my record reps, you know, they would introduce me to people who were working kind of in DJ circuits, and uh, the networking just kept building and continuing. And, uh, you know, what really kept me in this was probably 2013. Um, one of my close friends, again, Chris Logan, left. And I was in a position where I almost thought I wanted to do more digital work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was wondering, that was like my moment of like, am I staying in Louisiana? What am I doing? And I took a management position. I, I was kind of the, I guess, the heir apparent, um, you know, when Chris decided to, to, to go. And uh I wanted to give it some time. I was like, let's see what I can do with this brand. Like, change the logo, had a vision. You know, Chris Reed and I, man, we had a blast. We hired some people. And then and the station really kind of really took off. And, and, and it was just, it was fun. And then ended up kind of deciding, 2015, I'm going to live here. And, like, I love Lafayette. I looked at my time here and I said, I'm going to stay on this platform. And then kind of really started focusing on what can I do beyond just this? You know, you made all these connections. You know these people. You know, you've done all these things. But what are you doing beyond just that? So uh, the last five years have been hyper rewarding because it's been really focused on local. And I, and, and I got a company that backs that up. Like that's our mission is local. Um, so again, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I mean, awesome. I could leave if anybody watching this podcast wants to offer me a gazillion dollars. But uh, even recently picking up, you know, I can, I'm now doing a nationally syndicated yeah. night show. I was going to talk about that. So yeah, tell which us about it's that. still brand new, but like I can do it from here. So like it's the best of both worlds. Like I love it here. I feel like I almost moved to New Orleans like three times. And whether it was Katrina or some other thing that told me don't do it, there's a reason why New Orleans is a second home for me. Um, and, and it's good. It's close enough. Um, but 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 I mean here, man, you know, I think we've got a lot of there's a lot of promise here. I think there's a lot of good things happening here. Uh, you can hear, you could look at every chart, every metric, where we're last, what we, we got a lot of work to do, but mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like this is a place where you can actually be a part of, of growth. And, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like we've been on that track for a while now. And, and like I said, we still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we definitely do still have a lot of work to do. I mean, and you mentioned growth. I mean, obviously my company wouldn't be where it's at if sure. Lafayette was not growing to some extent, yeah. whether that is commercially. Literally and, developing Lafayette. Right, I mean. right. <laughs> and and it's transitioned a little bit. I still talk about the construction sites, but sure. there's there's other things that Lafayette develops that is not necessarily construction, but yeah. I have to be very careful how do I tie in things. So um, I, I, I keep it pretty in line. But yeah. Yeah, no, man, I've noticed, you know, it's, and I think beyond that, it's like, okay, this is coming, but here's why you guys should check it out. So it's, I feel like if everything you guys have done and it should go this route is you kind of go like this natural way of like, how do we expand upon, you know, what we're good at and, and, and continue to build? Because if you stay, you tread water for long enough, you're really not going anywhere. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's super important, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so what is the name of the nationally syndicated show? Okay, so so Double XL is a magazine that I grew up reading. Uh, it's hip hop magazine. Uh, the Source was another magazine at the time. Uh, so Double XL Mag has been around forever, and I believe maybe 2015. Don't quote me on it. Town Square Media, our parent company, bought the magazine. Oh wow! I mean, 
do I have to tell you about print? No, it's not. It's no offense yeah. to our friends that do print because they do a damn good job here locally. But we all know, you know, again, every radio, everything has evolved. So Double XL has become a big digital, you know, brand as well because it, it just has to. Yeah. Um, you know, they still do all the things they did when they, you know, they still have the magazine and, um, you know, Vanessa Satin and her crew, you know, I've, I've admired from afar. And when we acquired that, that was one of the most exciting things because now we were, you know, our local stations were able to get content from, they were a national brand that fed us good music content. Um, and um, a couple of the guys with the team decided, hey, we've had Double XL magazine for a while. What if we produced a radio show? Because we have a lot of brands within our brand. Um, you know, we've got, you know, great national shows like Pop Crush Nights and Loudwire, Taste of Country, Screen Crush. Um, what if we took our Double XL arm and created a you know a hip hop night show based around just heavily based around the music, the culture, the stories, the trending, just everything related to music that's you know extremely popular and um, you know it was just kind of a natural progression and um, you know it was it, it's a concept that you know they they reached out about and, and and it's it's amazing because they actually they take a lot of there's nothing that I'm just told to do so like the feedback is it's very it's two way. Um, so it's, it's a new show, uh, fairly new, um, great team. They had it rolling for about six months or so, six or seven months before I just hopped on at the beginning of June. Um, so I'm working with a team who, you know, they worked out a lot of the kinks and they, I mean, it was already a smooth ship by the time I hopped on. So I, I'm kind of lucky because they, yeah. they got through the infant stages and, uh, I, you know, I can't say enough about the team there, but it's, it's still new and I'm still trying to figure out all right, I'm doing this thing, but I'm already, my mind's already moving. Like, how can we grow it? How can we make it better? So but, you're going to be the host of it? I'm the host of it. Okay, yeah. wow. So I host the show. I do. Uh, Congrats you know, on that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, again, it's still surreal. This week, after a few weeks, I finally found out a rhythm of how do I fit this within what I do. Because I still do a local morning show here. Still brand manager of Hot. And, and you, you do know, a lot of stuff at home, especially with the pandemic. Yeah. And, and like, you got to balance it all. Home life's a big thing. Ask my yeah. wife. She'll tell you. Yeah. You know, that's because she's like looked at it and it was a great thing and she's supportive, but she's like, she she looks at the day and sees the clock and she knows there's only so many hours. Mm -hmm. So she's like, when are you going to do this? So um, it's been a really cool thing to figure out. And I feel like I'm just starting to kind of get my feet, uh, you know, underneath me. So uh, excited about that. Um, again, still surreal, but. Um, a lot of work to do for sure well that's awesome uh look i have a ton of other questions but we are <laughs> i say a ton like probably seven more that i would ask but we have we're at 57 do a, do a lightning round i put round. you on the spot all right all right all right and quick answers only all right how has the pandemic affected your work uh honestly it made me it made me really adjust i hate the word i feel like we've been overusing pivot oh yeah uh it, it how has it affected it is it it really made me uh, bet on myself and just you know back against the wall what are you gonna do you have know? you made money from doing this like have you have you sustained yourself uh it's been sustainable yeah and, okay. and but you know but it's not without support of our community and just people, people that support what I do. So without I mean, that, without that support, like to me, if I don't put anything out there, like, you know, it's not worthwhile, then you're just not going to get supported. But like, it made me again, figure out if I, if I want support, what can I, what can I give? You what can I show? Yeah. You got to put in what you want to get out of it. So Definitely. I can't just get online and be like, I'm BJing y'all give me some coins. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's like, it made me like, it made, it really made me just kind of, it really lit a fire under under my you know what to get things done that I've been putting on the back burner. Yeah, like I, I had a box of long sleeve shirts in March. Does that make sense to you? That I never no. sold, that I never gave out as promo because like I had these ideas, but I'd never followed through on, on myself. So that's that. Yeah, awesome. it's been it's, awesome. been, it's been cool. Uh, okay, next question. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most influential DJs in your life? Like name one influential DJ if you can name one. Jazzy Jeff. Jazzy Jeff. Quest Love. Z Trip. Awesome. There you awesome. Go. Um, what is your favorite style of music to mix? Uh, dance. Anything related to dancing, dance music. So when you think of like disco, EDM, and e all that e stuff. EDM. When you think of something that just has like makes people want to get up and dance, DJing songs that are just good to listen to isn't as fun because then people just listen to it. Uh, but figuring out how to make those listenable songs danceable. Oh, yeah. The danceable side of rock. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, and I, over the past three or four months, sure. uh, I've and especially since you've gone live on Facebook, yeah, it's fun to watch. Yep. you mix certain songs, and I'll hear a song start playing. And I'm like, 
how's he going to do this? Yeah. How's he going to make and this? It's almost simple? like you're watching, like you're watching someone balancing like knives. Yeah. Uh, it's now, definitely a balancing that, act. That, that's been, a, that's a fun part about DJing is making those songs that are, aren't danceable. Um, you know, how, what can I put behind this to make yeah. it make sense? And how do I, how do I take these two very different things and make them a brand new cool thing? So it's amazing to yeah, watch. There you go. Um, favorite nightclub you've ever played? Man. Oh, it could be anywhere. It's, it's a hard question. Cause like, I feel like, you know, Oh man. It's probably one of the grimier ones that are that were just so fun because they were just like a madhouse in there, like the Saint. I think of the Saint in New Orleans. Um, man, love. I've always loved Republic in New Orleans just because of the way it's set up. Just the energy around you has always been cool. Um, clubs in Lafayette that have been that were really cool to play at. There's something about the way the keg was set up, just because it was such a just a sweat box and the catwalk <laughs> and the floor. Someone, I think Chris posted a photo of it the other day, and it's like you look at that photo and you could smell and just feel everything come back at once. But uh, Firestone was interesting because it was just like a literal building off the side of the road. But again, it was just like the, it, it was less of the club and more the energy that I remember. Oh, yeah. The way that those buildings <clears throat> like housed that energy. 410 was amazing. That was like one of my first residencies in like 2003 or four. Uh, Stands was always fun. Um, it's hard to pick one man. Metro will always have my heart just because it's such a gargantuan club. Um, but I think of Arcadia Ohm Lounge in New Orleans, some of those spots that were just so fun to play, man. Just, you know, inti intimate venues have always been my favorite. Like I always loved how Republic was a bigger place. But like it was kind of, it kept everything like the balcony was wrapped around you. Oh, wow. So you got people above and around and in front of you and around. So uh, that energy, Nighttown, you know, Amanda Scott's before that and so on and so forth. Some of those venues, man, you just, you know the energy in there. Uh, next question. Most embarrassing moment. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> There's tons of them, I'm sure. We the 45 minutes could have been that. In DJing or in just life? I can't even get into I'll, I'll go with DJing. What is the most embarrassing oh, moment in the DJ? Like, oh. let's say the, the most high-profile spot you've been in. Has there been something that has just gone wrong? <laughs> I, I really can't think about it right now, man. It, it's because, like, like I said, just pick one. Um, yeah. Oh, geez. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like like probably 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 something not sexy at all. Like I forgot my charger and my computer died in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, that's, that's never that's happened. A, I've always found a charger, thank God. But uh, yeah, that's about it. I try not to make too many mistakes, but I've definitely done some embarrassing things. Awesome. I, I don't know what. Um, if you have the opportunity to DJ anywhere mm -hmm. or, or to for anyone, where would that be? Oh man, like if you if there's a place that you could DJ. Uh, man, I feel like I've. I You've mean, done a lot of the places. Yeah, I'm sure. I, you know what? I'm 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 a big time. Uh, Adidas is kind of sponsors this event called the Do Over. I'm a Sunday fun day, Sunday afternoon, good vibes, late brunch type of like that's my energy, man. Like if I can rock some like '90s R&B for a crowd that's a crowd of music lovers in a venue of like at a, like a dope pool party or like. At just I don't care if it's a restaurant patio where you just got good sound and people are just it's the vibe is good. That's you know I'll take that over any festival stage, any mega nightclub, any of that. Like th those are always the best. Like the organic uh, gigs. I think about Park Jam that we've done with festival Terrence Morgan and the Kabuki Crew. That you know where it's literally like a in the park vibe where again you're surrounded by this energy uh, of music lovers and just people that are just the vibe is right. So awesome. there you go. Um, Last question. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give young aspiring DJs today? Oh, man. Young, uh, just honestly, man, embrace the new stuff, but don't forget what got you to the dance, honestly. Because if you, if, you, if you know, like, the, the best thing to understand is, like, to get ahead, you got to understand where it all came from. So do your homework. Find out where that sample and that kick drum and this record, every time you hear this beat, what's the original song? Like, who's this? Yeah, you hear this sample in every song. Where'd it come from? Why is it so big? Why do people love it? And just really do your homework, you know? Um, and then when, when you understand, and I did that, you know, I didn't get to grow up with disco and funk and rare grooves. I had to like go dig through records and understand producers and stuff. And it makes me understand new music so much easier and like how it all fits. So just again, embrace all the new stuff, the bells, the whistles, the toys, the, you know, but also just kind of understand what got you to the dance. Awesome. Yep. Well, um, 
Is there anything that you want to close out with? Is there something that you have yeah. in the top of your mind? Yeah, no, nah, nothing really. Just like, you know, if you're checking out this podcast, man, make sure like, share, and subscribe. Uh, yeah, well, tell us, tell us how, tell people how they can find you, uh, what, what social media, what website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I've got, uh, I'm actually launching my website really soon, and that's, that's a, that was a pandemic, get it done thing. What <laughs> uh, was a revamped version of it? Uh, my friends joke that they say that I'm, a, I'm actually a boutique that also DJs, uh, but like I'll have merch and all that. But look, call me DJ Digital, literally, like call me DJ Digital on everything Instagram, um, Twitter. Uh, even Venmo, Facebook. Cash, Venmo App. Cash App. Yeah, uh, just, it's just call me DJ Digital, and the reason why is because I didn't want to use the real DJ Digital, and whoever DJ Digital was, I think maybe in Florida, like I tried to get him to give me the Twitter, and I couldn't do it. Uh. So, so since 2008, that's been my like internet at handle is call me DJ Digital. So uh, it's consistent, and all you gotta do is do that and call me DJ Digital. Awesome. All right, well, awesome, Brandon, DJ Digital. Yeah, you can call me Brandon, uh, too, but you can't get to me on Twitter. There's no call me Brandon. Like, it just doesn't work. Well, look, DJ Digital, if I say it too fast, especially if I include Brandon in front of it, I... I, I it's tough to say. I, it's a tongue twister right there. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I loved hearing your story. And I know, like you said, we could have spent 45 minutes on each little topic, and... Uh, each photo probably going to dive into it yeah, much deeper. I'm so surprised that you got those photos. I got to go see what's public on my face. Look, yeah, you might want to go. <laughs> no, nah, I think it's, it's if you want to talk about your most embarrassing moment, just go through, just go back to oh, Facebook. Oh, dude, social media. When yeah. we're like 50, 60 years old, if social media is even still around, sure. it is going to be a cringe fest. Like, it's yeah. already cringy to look back 10 years. Yeah. And I'm like, imagine what Imagine kids, though, man, because you got to think, like, internet as we know it like twitter let's just call let's just say 2007 let's say 2010 so there are 10 year olds right now whose parents literally documented their life from birth oh yeah and, oh, and yeah. like and, and could you and like really do i need that like you there's no question about what you did on august 10th 2011 like oh i was one. Oh, i remember i got i feel like i have one photo from every year of my life where like mm -hmm. that birthday was lit my <laughs> second birthday was problematic because it was a dukes of hazard birthday party and like if you look back far enough i'll probably know the general lee in the background oh, dude, i had that confederate hat and everything and i'm like how did my mom I'm like i was like oh wait it was 19 it was but 19, it was different it was 83 it was totally different? a different time in a, in a way of the understanding but, of but i think i think yeah the way that things are documented now man like it's embarrassing for us just to look at like what we were wearing or what we did or how grainy the photos were or, or what we thought was appropriate for like, did we really need to upload 73 pictures from no. one night out and like make an album of it? Probably not. So, uh, but yeah, man, awesome show. Keep up the good work and, uh, and thanks for having me on. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you having you on, having you on too. And uh, look, keep up the good work with yourself as well. Oh, COVID high five, man. Like, no. <laughs> All right, Brandon, you have a good one. Awesome, man. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click Advertise.